Hello and welcome to Perspective, a show by founders of small indie creative agencies giving our perspective on starting and running our own companies. The aim is to hopefully provide some useful advice and inspiration to others, as well as learn from each other and others we may get to come talk on the show. This is our first episode and my name is John Dark. I am a director at Every Interaction and with me I have Dan Gent. Hello. Dan is from Lighthouse London. I am indeed. I got that right. Not We Are Lighthouse. Wearelighthouse.com. No, not We Are Lighthouse. Or if you've got enough money, if you've got enough money, we'll call you what you want. It's fine. <laughs> okay, so we used to work at the same company in a previous life. I was a designer, Dan was a developer, and since we've both taken different paths to get to where we are today, but at the same time, we've ended up in a very similar place. Mm. We both have small, independent, creative digital agencies. Uh, we're similarly sized and mm-hmm. completely yep. by accident we moved into the, uh, the same building on the same floor on the same day about a year ago which is quite a coincidence <laughs> yeah. overall though i feel that the uh the industry that we're in has become more diversified uh, that industry being creative digital agencies uh, i think that the larger mega agency and full service model is starting to die off mm-hmm the juggernauts that used to dominate are becoming less and less relevant as the largest of clients, uh, those with revenues north of, say, $10 billion, take these skills more and more in-house, uh, removing from the market the only companies who can afford to pay the rates of such large companies. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, I think this opens up a lot of opportunities in uh, the middle ground to smaller businesses. Yeah, Small businesses uh, that we've seen a surge in in recent years each with their own story, their own specialisms. Um, so I guess this is our audience. Anyone in the creative industry who is interested and possibly thinking about or have already started their own agency. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we can provide some useful advice to spur that market along, give it a bit of a boost and help out our fellow peers. Sure. At the same time, I hope that we can learn something from each other and other people we may get on to speak at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think we both had little idea about what to expect on our paths to get to this point. I think a fair amount of winging it was probably involved, it's safe to say, and we both took very different journeys and had different experiences that have shaped what we offer today. Uh, I think it would be good to cover that ground, get get a bit of background um, on us and understand how and why we started our own agencies, how we got to where we are today. Does that sound good? That sounds like a fantastic idea for a podcast (laughs) someone should do that (laughs) we'll get on that wicked so uh dan why don't you tell us a little bit about lighthouse and what you guys do over there yeah sure so we have just changed our minds about what we do and launched a, a new site that tries to describe more accurately what we do i suppose i think in the simplest form i'd call it web design and development but um as you say, as things grow and get bigger, people start asking, well, you, you, I suppose you realise that that's the kind of what we do. And then really you start thinking about why you do it and who you want to do it for. So um, currently I'm saying digital design and product development. Okay. Which pretty much sums up in simple language what we do, uh, whilst hitting a few industry buzzwords and... Um, <laughs> And generally sounding quite exciting. <laughs> I am. I'm very excited. Yeah, absolutely. But um, but yeah. So that's that's our kind of. I suppose 
yeah, design design and development really, and all all in house at the moment. Fantastic. And uh, I run uh, every interaction uh, with my business partner Neil, and we do a similar thing. We're sort of uh, we try to we're more in the UX camp, I guess. Uh, so we are UX and design specialists. All of our team are UX people or design people or a bit of both. We don't have any developers in the house, but uh, we do some development for some clients, and we do that through some third-party partner agencies with whom we work with quite a few and they've all got their own specialisms to help us deliver different types of things. Ultimately we've made a change recently as well to the way that we try to market ourselves and I guess this will come out in our conversations. Uh, We decided it makes more sense to specialise and try and make the best of the skill sets of the people we have in the company and leverage that to our advantage. Mm -hmm. And we work with a lot of startups and innovation teams inside existing businesses which are like mini startups unto themselves yeah that's that's exactly who i describe ourselves as working with that's that for me feels like the sort of gold isn't it it's like the stuff you do for startups work doing the same thing for people who've actually got money yes yeah yeah some startups have money but uh it's true not, they not do. a lot of them and these innovation teams can do some pretty interesting things as well yeah and um yeah we work with people in a similar sorts as you which otherwise why i thought this would be interesting because we've both taken different approaches to how we've grown and structured our companies because mm-hmm. slightly different focuses doing slightly different work but to most people's eyes incredibly similar um, yes, <laughs> and, but we, you know we've gone about it in a very different way. When you when you dig into it and look at how we uh, how we got to where we are, so uh, that's why I thought this would be pretty interesting. Yep, um, absolutely. So why don't we start off by just giving a, a little bit of background so people know why we know each other and how we got to where we are. So going back in the day, oh. <laughs> I think I remember. I think I remember our first conversation. Oh really? Oh wow. Yeah. I'll see if you remember it. I don't, no. Well, it must have been pretty early on because end of my first week and uh, Liz Jones, mm-hmm. um, and she uh, said, right, everyone's going to the pub at the end of the week, come along. And that would I definitely went to that and that would have been the first time I met everyone. And I think we sat in the Tudor Rose and I think think we had an argument about flash yeah <laughs> great who who was the advocate <laughs> do you really want me to say that uh you you were oh really this was this must have been a long time ago, <laughs> it was <then>. it was <laughs> oh yeah yeah no it was and your i remember distinctly your thing about it was the control you had over design because obviously at the time browsers were awful well not as uh, well browsers were just getting there right so they weren't as awful as the very beginning but they were still pretty bad which meant that basically you as designers would do all this amazing work and you'd hand it over to the um development teams and we'd be like yeah great but can't do it that pixel's not right <laughs> you know and and because design and development was very much separate then you had a lot of designers with with a kind of you know wanting that pixel perfection and wanting everything to be spot on and you didn't have the ability to deliver that, except you did if you use Flash. So I think you're you you were basically you were basically saying more kind of like why can't everything be like Flash? That you know then 
every, all my stuff would look brilliant. And I was uh, going, I don't know if I was going Flash is rubbish. It might have been a bit early for that. I'm probably bigging myself <laughs> up a bit too much there. But, um, <laughs> but I was kind of like, you know, it's not, eh, it's not the web. No, and uh, yeah, I think I think you were right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I brought it up. Absolutely, but yeah, back in the day, Flash was a designer's salvation. Yeah, in that we would come up with some great ideas and constantly be told, "Nope, you can't do that." Yeah, especially uh, for accessibility reasons, which obviously Flash was uh, not very good at either. No. The real bugbear was always the fonts. I do remember doing quite a few sites and having a flash cipher to swap out the fonts. Yes, of course. That was the way to do fonts, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That was the way before web fonts. Yeah, that's how you, it was either images. You had to do generate the images of every, because it was usually just the H1s or something in a page. Yeah, yeah. You'd be allowed them. And you'd have to generate a GIF for every title in an entire website. I remember doing that for a several thousand page website once. Or you would implement this cipher technology which if you had flash installed rendered it using any typeface you wanted but using flash and took about two weeks to implement <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those ones where the the it was like someone would just send you a link and be like oh this is how you do it. this is how you get any font you want and you'd be like oh my god this is just so confusing <laughs> it wasn't like it wasn't just like you know any font you want dot js <laughs> as things are now it was like you had to understand a lot to make that work, if, if I remember correctly. And it was also a bit janky because the, uh, the flash was always the last thing to render in the page. Yeah. So the, the H1 would render in HTML first. And then, yeah. oh no, actually, it would sometimes it would render first, depending on how you implemented it. And then it would get blocked out by a white space. And then the flash would render back into the white yeah. space. Or the H1 just wouldn't be present until everything else in the page is loaded. And then suddenly the H1 kicks in. Um, yeah. And that was the other thing about it. Like, you'd implement it, and then everyone would be like, great, I've got the fonts. Can you stop it doing that? No. Oh, God. No. <laughs> I mean, it's like... Blimey, this must have been circa 2003? Uh, yes. Hmm. Just a... Just a uh, like, web standards were there. That had just happened. Like, the first... When I, when I came, it was like, I never built anything... Or did I... I'd worked on. I was. I was maintaining table-based layouts, but everything new we did was um, was like web standards. Yeah, the beginning of CSS. Yeah, basically. Mm -hmm. And was that Marchcom at the time you were working for? Yeah, I came into Marchcom as their webmaster. Oh, I was called webmaster. I remember. Yes, I remember that being on your email signature or something, or you telling me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe down that the pub at that conversation. Yeah, which was kind of. Um, strange title to give someone at a web agency yeah because you because a webmaster is normally a person in a company who's in charge of the website which i wasn't i was just more a junior developer but um yeah so i was in marchcom who were the like investor they they had a niche and and my were they mining it <laughs> well, people's annual reports basically it was their thing it worked oh it works yeah mm-hmm the only problem with it was annual reports always had to go out at like 7am because of the stock market and no one quite trusted automation then so I'd, I'd often be sent into the office at some ridiculous hour to like upload a load of files it's just all driven off the accessibility movement and you couldn't just stick pdfs online any longer so you had to turn them all into html well that was a whole project right mm. 
and they and they very much annoyed a few accessibility experts by basically going they yeah they hired someone specifically to make things accessible and then made them turn like 2000 pdfs into html <laughs> <laughs> and it was all just like tables of numbers it was just yeah absolutely yeah absolutely nonsense it was, but a good way to milk big corporations for money oh that god they, yeah that they thought they had to do to save themselves getting sued <laughs> completely yeah absolutely accessibility let's 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 have another one of them soon <laughs> and i was in at the time it was called jkd and uh, yeah we'd all moved into the same building so we were all owned by inceptor the holding company mm-hmm. who bought up a load of companies in the dot-com crash at some point in that history the whole thing sort of rebranded and got merged into 26 london yeah we were 26 corporates um yeah so we 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 never we never really they never let us fully in at 26 corporate i mean we got the name the teams were still kept separate yeah because everyone was still and i think you know you you might be going on to mention this that you know it wasn't a it wasn't a massive loving like everyone was no you know no one wanted to give up those investor relations reports and i expect a lot of people wanted to get their hands on them to to be to be billing those so it was yeah. I, we were just named Twenty Six Corporate. Um, we we actually merged in a smaller company as well then to to head up Twenty Six Corporate. Um, a couple of guys who'd done who'd run a two man agency, I think, doing the same thing. Um, yeah, Twenty Six Corp. We were, you know we were. I think we probably made lots of money, but we we weren't as sexy as Twenty Six Normal. We didn't <laughs> have the pink. We didn't have the pink uh, color scheme. We had a dark blue one. Oh, was it blue? That's right. Yeah. Everyone got a little colour. No, ours was an afterthought. Mm-hmm. We we were the only no one else got anything other than pink, did they? <laughs> Probably not. I th- ours ours was blatantly just like here's the new brand. Uh, our our clients are going to hate that. All right, have blue. <laughs> That's what I think probably happened there. So they all got rebranded, and then I think they tried doing some more merging, didn't they? They had some yes. other companies in the group. I think they all got Arnold Interactive, and they sort of just smashed a load of companies together. That, yep. that always goes well, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's a few key people left, didn't they? And it all sort of started to fall apart at the seams, as happens, it did. and uh, it did. just sort of lacked some real leadership. Yeah, from what I know of it today, I think that you know everyone just ended up leaving, and yeah. after a while, I guess everybody you know leaves after a certain amount of time passes. Yeah, it, um, I remember there being what we what we termed do you remember there was a balcony at the back like on the on the second floor or the third floor yep. there was a balcony mm-hmm. like a big a big balcony where you know you could fit sort of 20 people out there really yeah that became the uh recruitment balcony and basically you just i just remember there being a period of about a month where at any one time there'd be two or three people out there on their phones clearly talking to recruiters <laughs> if anyone's if anyone's phone went off they'd like grab it look at the screen and then leg it out to the balcony to the point where i was considering installing a um a kind of like a counter you know sort of like the recruitment balcony this many pounds uh salary negotiated this month or something you know what i mean like a tip that would tick up as people went out and secured themselves new roles make it a feature yeah absolutely <laughs> But yeah, no, it did. It did kind of. I don't know which one of us left first. Was it me? No. Yes, it was me. Similar time. I can't remember. Um, it was very similar, but I do remember again. I think I was two thousand and seven. I remember you, you. 
I think you, you emailed me when I resigned. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And I think probably saying, "Damn you! You beat me to it." <laughs> <laughs> no, you 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 were basically like, "Yeah, I'm thinking of doing that." Okay, I remember. But yeah, it's it's I've I've I sat down with my boss at the time, and we were like, "I don't know what it was." It's like I don't know, like me at the time. I don't know why it was suddenly no good for me anymore because it's not like I don't think what I was doing but it was just the it was just the sort of atmosphere wasn't it like mm. it, it was still probably good for my career to stay like people who stayed there for another couple of years suddenly were like had like the paths were cleared for them to become really senior yeah you know what I mean when like, I was left yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah completely so it was actually it was a mass exodus yeah totally yeah. so I don't but I just think it I think I just got fed up of um of the sort of the the type of work and stuff, I think. Yeah, likewise, I just needed more experience and um, new horizons. Needed to try new things. I'd been there mm. a long time. I'd been there through the various incarnations of the company for five years. Uh, yeah. Time I left, and it was my first job since graduating. Uh, in fact, I graduated on a Friday and started work there on a Monday. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I didn't have much of a break either. Wow. But yeah, 26 just um, carried on. Um, from what I'm aware of it, 26 became... There's a Leeds division that got merged yeah. in from the CEO that came down from the group agency up there. Yes. It sort of rebranded under the umbrella. Um, sort of rebranded to a generic 26 digital. I think it still exists. I think it may be even a top 50 agency today. It's owned by MSQ Partners. Right, and the London wing of the agency, I think, got absorbed into Lloyd Northover, which is part of the group as well. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, that's that's a that's a fitting place for it to be. <laughs> <laughs> Not surprising, getting yeah. bought, merged, pushed around. Yeah, so you left twenty six and yep. went on to Barbican, is that right? No, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I went to the VNA. That's right. I knew it was something institutionally artistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of... It was very kind of easy to get a new job. Um, I had about... I remember just putting your head above the uh, trench, as it were, and just getting recruiters all over you. I had about three or four interviews in a week, and they all offered me jobs. Um, the V&A was like was actually sort of the the least well paid of all those and I only got one interview there. Um they like didn't they weren't set up to give a second interview. And they were just like gonna make a decision after one. And mm-hmm. I remember going for like it was like the web I think it was just the web developer role for the like you had to give a little presentation or something. So I just basically did a presentation about how much better the VNA website could be. And they were like uh, you do know this is a developer role, right? And I was sort of like, yes. And then, obviously, it was like a bit kind of full on with the sort of, I don't know, looking at the information architecture and stuff like that. <laughs> I think they were like, make it load faster or something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I went there and it was, I just wanted to do something that was like the opposite of the agency, you know? And like, just, I think I was quite into the idea of just working on one thing and making it really good. I remember... I remember saying to the guy that hired me when I, d- I like demanded a second phone call to like ask some more questions because I was just like I'm not taking another I'm not taking a job without I hadn't even seen the office or anything so I was like 
I rang him up. Was like, is there a window in the office? <laughs> he was like, yep, there's a window. I was like, okay. And then I was kind of like, are we gonna like actually change the VNA website? You know, sort of. Are we gonna actually make it better? Um, and he was kind of like, uh, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> that that wasn't true. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was. Um, I was only there about seven months, eight months. Okay, it was a bit of a it was a bit of a disaster. Oh, okay. I mean, it was, it's not quite a disaster, but you know, you don't want to that the pace of things there. It's not the place to be for your second job. Right. Yeah, jumping from an agency to one of the slower one of the, it was probably one of the yeah. slower paced uh client side jobs you could probably imagine yeah you see that's it i didn't i i had no experience of um well actually i had, i had worked public sets before but i i was obviously at the at that time very into the fact it was slow and no one cared when i turned up but this time i was like pretty motivated and um and no one else was on the same uh wavelength well people were but there's no right you're not you're not getting anything done. You know what I mean? There's no way of doing anything. Um, yeah, I left after about seven months. I remember being like really upset at one point. I remember being like crying in the office to my girlfriend at the time, uh, wow. now my wife, um, being like, you know, this is just being so just frustrated. I was in like an office on my own. Like the guy that hired me left about two months later. So it was just me as like head of VNA technical for about four months. And then the opportunity came up, like they were obviously hiring for that role. And so I was like, well, okay, this at least is something motivating. You know what I mean? Like, I could be, you know, technical manager of the VNA website. The interview came, and I, I, just, I just knew in the interview, I don't even want this. So there's no way they're going to think I want this. I don't know. They asked the questions, and, you know, like, what's your management style? And it's just like, this is awful. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what? <laughs> And um, the guy they the annoyingly well not annoyingly because I did the right thing in leaving but um, the guy they actually hired he was actually really good he was just right like and so I only only worked with him for about a month because I was on my notice but I think he went on to actually be part of the redesign because he could actually he's had enough skills to get things done I wasn't quite good like the me of like five years later would have just got on with it you know I would have actually started. You know, I would have got on the server and just started changing stuff, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I wasn't quite at that point. Um, so, yeah, no, that that didn't go well. But, yeah, where did you go straight afterwards? I went straight into freelancing. So I, um, I too, wanted to go, you know, a bit client-side and uh, mm-hmm. try some other things. So I think initially I wanted to try some other agencies, but that didn't turn out to be what I did. I just wanted some more experience in general. And, yeah, I liked the idea of being able to work on one thing in a more focused way rather than just a project. Um, so the first place I went was um, Word Tracker. Oh, yeah. Which is a friend of Seb's. Yeah, well, Seb, Seb I've referenced already as the as the boss back at um, boss back at 26, who we kind of all decided to, to leave at the same time. Yeah, good guy. And, uh, yeah, he connected me up with friends of his, the Mindell brothers, who ran this... Uh, Word tracker keywords research tool, uh, one of the yeah. one of the biggest online at the time. So yeah, they're really nice guys. All all working in um, Ruby. They had like a proper agile development team on the go, which for you know two thousand seven was quite kind of new. Yeah, and yeah, so it was Ruby. Yeah, it was just nice to work 
in the middle of the team, working with a couple of people mm. really closely, day in, day out, thinking about how to make this next generation of their product and really focusing on the user experience, basically. Yeah. We were sort of rapid prototyping, I guess, as well. So we were just I was just designing things up and the next day they were built and we were testing some things out and it was yeah, it was really good. Not the VNA there. <laughs> no, 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 it was, it was a really good experience. And uh, it kind of got me hooked on the whole freelancing thing. And I thought, wow, this is great. And I must have worked there for quite a number of months, maybe six months or so. Um, this is when I started doing some traveling. So I was uh, getting hooked on the idea of doing freelancing and then taking a lot of time off and visiting places in the world. Um, mm-hmm. I got a little taste by doing three weeks in Costa Rica previously and then did some freelancing, saved up enough money and then started taking three months off a year basically and going to different parts of the world. Nice. And freelancing in between. The next gig was another, was a tech startup after that. So I went to work at a place called My Deco, which was a new startup by um, the founders of lastminute.com. Okay. So mostly run by Brent Hoberman. Um, so they had enormous backing as was easier to do with startups back then. And also yep. having a proven track record. Yeah, I worked on that for, blimey, it must have been nine months before it even launched. Right. And I left just as it was launching. And they had, they had a huge team of people. Well, I say huge, but for a startup today, they must have had a team of 20 people in the UK working on it. Right. And then a team of developers in Ukraine, I believe, and a team of 3D artists somewhere else building all these models to to work in, as part of their business model. Um, yeah, it was really interesting. And I was working mostly with the the community manager there's another designer on site uh, who was my boss essentially and she was in charge of the overall design and i was helping largely with the community angle which was really interesting because there was some more uh sort of ux more ux problems to solve there i felt yeah okay really getting it all ready to go live and um you know working with the dev team to get it all built yeah it was pretty interesting yeah wow that's two very nice pieces of experience. Yeah, it was. And being a successful startup, you know, he, because they sold last minute, as as happens with these things, when the companies get sold, a lot of the talent will get poached by the same people <laughs> when they do the yeah. next startup. So a lot of the, re- all the best people came from last minute and went on to this project, essentially. So there's some really talented people working there. It was really good. And um, they all, they all knew the drill because they'd done it before. You know, they're all seasoned startup people. They, they've done all the stuff. They knew what they had to do. Yeah. They had a lot of funding behind them. And I learned a lot. It was really good. And also made a lot of connections and friends. Yeah. As happens, those people have all gone off and done other things. A lot of them have gone to do startups of their own or gone and worked at other startups. And that was, that was the inception of every interaction. Or before that, my own company that I formed, um, which gave me connections and the uh, knowing enough people doing enough things to get enough work in to get the gears rolling enough to to justify starting an agency. Right. How did you you move from from what you were doing to what you're 
the VN, so the VNA was not the the so I left there very quickly. I suppose the one thing the VNA did do that possibly started the thought process about agency was I sat across the table from a lot of agencies there who were pitching to do VN, like every time they did a micro site for an exhibition, they'd pretty much put it out to tender. I remember. Which obviously, yeah. I remember tendering for one. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. Well, it annoyed me greatly because I was just like, "Why is like, why can't I do this? <laughs> like, you know, what I mean, why are we getting an agency to do this work? You've got me here." Yeah, what I did see was, you know, just kind of agency after agency come through the door, and I just thought these guys are. I, well, I felt sorry for them because, like, they just got taken advantage of by the VNA. You know, they were coming in with full spec work like just to the the hilt like you could you couldn't get in the door without basically having designed the micro site for free <laughs> and then they just chose the one they liked those were the days yeah i mean i was i didn't like that because i was like this is not you know this isn't fair but also i just looked at them all and i just thought i can do what you guys are doing it's not you've got a funky business card but they were either a load of like um bluff you know what i mean it was just like you just some slick talking dude who just didn't know what he was talking about or the ones i really felt really sorry for is when you got the, the guys who were actually you know clearly really wanted to do the vna work but it's like they just didn't realize that they're one of about five people we're sitting in front of and it's just not not worth the, the time they've done a lot of the agencies doing that kind of web work back then were were graphic design agencies who yeah. had taken to web didn't really understand it yes. as much as a digital agency probably should and may have looked nice but definitely wasn't always no. that great to use oh well completely and also the first the my first job at the vna was to like the vna server was sending out a load of viagra email because they these these agencies would just do these microsites and they were just you know they all had like little competition entry forms which basically was just like massive vulnerabilities and and essentially just like the first thing we had to do was go through all the microsites finding like turning all them off and like finding all the ones with that were compromised it's just it just was it just was ridiculous and the, but the solution to that the vna was well next time they're pitching ask them if it's going to be hacked <laughs> oh man so, yeah even, exactly. even the concept microsites i mean it yeah, seems well, alien today, doesn't it? That's good for SEO. Yeah, <laughs> completely, completely. Well, they they had one for every um, exhibition. They had they had so many of them, and they're all the same. But um, they all had a photo competition. Every single one, <laughs> upload your photo, which they build every time. Like they get the agency to build that. There was no re there was no reuse code. But anyway, so enough of the VNA. I left there and went completely the opposite end of the cultural spectrum to. Uh, company that did ringtone clubs yeah like the crazy frog not the cra not the crazy frog they wish they were the crazy frog they weren't but they 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 wanted some crazy frog money right and that was that was a very similar vibe to 26 really in the like again i was in in with a load of really talented people like who were kind of better than me again which that was the problem with the vna it's like there was no one there uh, yeah there probably were but i never met them and there was no one there that like shared my vision for it. I'm not saying I'm better than all of them. No one to learn from. Yeah, completely. And I think when I left the VNA, the job interview process, I like had my first couple. I had my first interview where basically the guy was like, "Yeah, you're not good enough," because I didn't know like enough. I'd never. I was never like classically trained, if you like, in programming. So I never did like computer science or anything. So mine was all 
very learnt on the job. So like the guy sat me down and started asking me some like principles of of programming, which I just never come across. So suddenly I was like, oh god, you know, I I actually need to learn all this stuff. I want to be a programmer. But then this, I went at this place as like the web developer. So it was the perfect role. Most of them were, most of the people there were working on back end systems, the systems that sent out the text messages, build the poor unsuspecting people, manage the content and served it up when someone actually did download a ringtone, which was hardly ever because no one knew they were signed up. <laughs> and, um, and so I was like the guy who was going to like be the transition between those guys and the website. So it was a really good role. So halfway between marketing and the developers and pretty much exactly the same thing happened in a slightly different shape they got bought by an american company called playphone who just i mean god you didn't imagine buying i don't know how much the deal was i think i think i heard figures of like you know eight seven eight million being banded around imagine buying a ringtone and wallpaper company essentially at the same time the iphone's coming out it was just like it just did not go well for them oh dear and then on top of that they went into like they wanted to rebuild all the systems so the only good thing the company really had was that it had this system that could handle billing ten thousand phones reliably you know like it was really like the, the the coding was all really solid okay so it had a pretty robust back-end system but they wanted to rebuild all that. The Americans wanted to rebuild it. Um, and they went into like an 18-month development cycle and never came out of it. The, 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 I think wow. the American ones, the American companies still open, but the UK, the the Europe bit that we were in just like got closed, essentially. So like they spent 10 million on it and then just closed it. It was ridiculous. But again, out of that, while I was there, I just alongside it was doing, well, basically Lighthouse is all because, so I've, I too work with, a business partner a guy called Tom and I mean I've known Tom since school and essentially he's like he's quite unassuming but he's really like just gets he just, he just does stuff he wants to be a DJ or wanted to be a DJ when he was younger and it's just like he didn't really like go on about it but he just like became a DJ you know he like was and he was DJing around the place and and he just gets into stuff and does it and I I think a couple of times in our lives because i've known him for that long it's been like oh you should do this with me and i'd be like yeah wicked i can do that and so you know we did it at school with like a we like wrote a fanzine together and we like <laughs> formed a band together and we were like wedding djs as well at one point in the thing because again that was because like someone asked us we were djing at a party and someone went to me oh i'm i'm opening a i'm opening a club i'm running a night um you guys DJ at it and I was just like of course we'll DJ you know we're amazing um yeah give me your number so got that and then the guy texted me the next day and was like it's not actually a club I'm getting married will you DJ at my wedding and I was like no <laughs> and, then Tom, and, and then but then and then, Tom, and then Tom was like why did you say no to that guy like you can charge like you know 500 quid for DJing at a wedding and I was like all right can we DJ at a wedding you know what I mean so Tom's always been like and he just started doing free he, he was working at imperial college and doing a lot of freelance work because they'd come and ask him for like you know like random academic um little groups would get their funding you know go and go and study uh you know what mosquitoes do when you put them in a hot room or something and they and part of that funding would be like and of course you've got to make a website about it so they'd like come to tom and be like you make the website for imperial um make us a website about this and he was just like well that's not my job but 
I'll do it on the weekend if you want and give me some money. So he started doing that and you know, and he just built up his own little freelance thing. I think he just used to spend it all on clothes or something. Um he also started <laughs> what he never went to uni, so he was like ahead in his career. Like he got into, you know, websites back end of the nineties, you know, before mm-hmm. before um I was even programming really. He's just always done that and so then when it came to the freelance stuff, you know, eventually he got a gig that was like, had some programming. And so he said, Oh yeah, come and do it. So yeah, just like got me involved like that. And, you know, we just found from doing a couple of projects, we were like, well, this really works. You know, let's, I don't know what our plans were really. Just to keep making some money at the weekends really. But then some of them were like quite big. And then I think it just became, we just got to a point where I was at Playphone and was like, this is going crap. I I remember I was buying a house and that was the thing. I had to buy a house, had to have the job to do that. Then that was the that was the turning point. Right, I've lied to the mortgage people now. <laughs> I've, I've, I've told them I've I've shown them three months paychecks or whatever. Now it's time to not have a paycheck anymore. And we got a we got a we must have got a contract or something. Tom started just before me. Like he started say in October. And then the new year came round, and I was like, and he, I remember him being like a bit, you know, a little bit worried. Are we getting enough work in? And you know, you're you're about to start as well. And I was just like, you're not, you're not starting it, and I'm not, I don't get to, you know what I mean? That's, I'm 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 coming as well. We'll be fine. Yeah. Then I just I I quit at Playphone and was like, okay, let's um, you know, we had a little office. It's like let's go for it. That's great. And it seemed like the perfect partnership, right? Because obviously you're very development focused. Tom was uh, a lot more design focused, but obviously he has some development skills as well. Oh yeah, no, he because he so he had to. So he hmm. again, he just wanted to be because of what he wanted to be able to do. He learnt front end. One of our sites, we 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 up we upgraded it, but there was this sort of a dance music discography. So like a, it's called Rolder Beats. Have you ever seen that? I haven't. No, it's, it's actually pretty cool. It's like Discogs. I'm gonna do the do the elevator pitch now. It's like Discogs, but for dance music. So you have to help me out with what Discogs is. So Discogs is like a listing of every single released record. Oh right, so like a, it's a discography. That's the abbreviation. Yeah, gotcha. So it's really big for selling records because it's like it's like the it's the opposite way round of eBay. So on eBay, you obviously you put a record up and that listing exists while that record's for sale. Mm. On Discogs, you've got a page for every single record and every single version of that record that's ever been made. And if you've got one for sale, just put it on that page. It's like there's always a page. It's just there's not always one for sale. Oh, okay. But Tom did this with with dance music. The difference being that there's a lot of dance music that doesn't have an official release, but it's still a significant record. You know, it's like white labels. You know, there's loads of stuff DJs just make that is not, you know, doesn't have a label number on it, which Discogs requires. Okay. So there's a, so anyway, whatever. That's that's Roller Beats. So yeah, Tom was making that. So he was programming away on that. You know, he was doing PHP, you know, database stuff and everything. It's just he it wasn't like natural to him. And I think he's you know he spent a long time on it to get not much done sometimes. So it was like once once he could he pushed stuff off on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was doing front end as well. So yeah, I mean, it was like a perfect blend of skills, really. You know, I was sort of server through to front end, and he was kind of a little bit of programming through to you know design so like everything everything you could possibly need for a website yeah there you go the perfect team <laughs> absolutely 
Well, certainly everything you needed for a website back then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, um, with me, I did a couple more freelancing gigs, um, always for long periods of time, a couple more startups, usually for, you know, at least six, three to six months and traveling, freelancing, traveling. I settled in an agency called Collective London for a little bit mm-hmm. where I um, started freelance and sort of ended up becoming the head of UX there. And they were working on the new Honda website, Honda UK website. Okay. So we were working on getting that live and I stuck around for the duration of that project and helped with that live. The team there did a really nice job. This is still back in the day when there was still a bit of flash going on. So had lots of fallbacks for people who didn't have it. <laughs> yeah, the HTML version. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> uh, but they had lots of um, 3D, uh, lots of video lots of okay. 3d spinning stuff with the cars and the cars sort of exploded and formed themselves back together and at the time the only real way you could do that again sounds mind-blowing <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it was very whizzy uh and they had, they had some 3d guys in house so it was yeah it was it was full of some really talented people founded by a group of people who did my course at university and uh, knew my ex head of design at jkd as well and yeah, lots of incestuousness going on with yeah. contacts. Uh, Greg Dune, do you remember Greg Dune? I remember Greg Dune, yes. Yes, the Kiwi who used to work as yeah, of course at JKD in twenty six. Uh, he became managing director there. Okay. And yeah, he brought me in to help run the UX side of things and work with the design team there, and the developers who were partly in house at Collective, partly client side. Um, it's good to work with the client side stuff as well they had a really talented um, dev team uh, headed up by a guy um, there's one guy Matt Harden who worked there who was really good I'm working really closely with them it was nice um, and I kind of got the agency bug again after that did a few more little startup jobs but um, Neil uh, who's the guy I founded every interaction with had already been doing his own sort of one-man agency thing on the side. He had lots mm-hmm. of freelance gigs. We met him at 26 at JKD because he was a regular freelancer coming into that agency where we both were. And he had another agency with whom he freelanced regularly and uh, a series of his own smaller clients. You know, he was one of the guys you'd go to to get good design stuff done. Mm-hmm. He threw a job my way once. He said, because he was too busy to take it on, someone approached him for something and he goes, oh, I know a guy. It's my friend John, he's a freelancer, he can come in and help you. And this happened a few times, and I, I think I sent some work his way, and then it ended up that we were both busy and ended up just started, we both get more and more offers, and we kept turning mm-hmm. them down. And we were like, man, why, why are we turning all this work down? Yeah. Let's um, let's do something about it. Let's, uh, let's team up, join forces, and let's just work on this stuff together. We both had our companies already set up, so that side was ready to roll started renting some office space uh, with my friends who I went to university with and lived with in the early days in London who had started their own graphic design firm, Multi-Adapter. They just got their new office and I came in and rented a desk off them. Neil would come in a couple of days a week um, and work with me and then do a couple of days from home. And we got a few few breaks and a few decent-sized projects. We'd still work on a few things independently, but the the larger projects we would bring in together, work on together, and sort of work out the billing between us afterwards. Mm-hmm. And this just seemed to work quite well. It just sort of rolled on from one thing to the next. We seemed to be doing some pretty good work. 
Uh, our skills complemented each other pretty well. We're pretty similar in that we're both designers. Mm-hmm. And people were coming to us specifically for you know design and and UX before it was UX at the time. All the clients we worked with already had the sort of development angle pretty well covered. They really quite often had their own dev teams in place. They were just missing this particular skill set. Right. And so it always came to us and we always had to work with their dev teams. Um, and when they didn't, we always knew someone who could help get it built. And that was usually just on the front end side of things because pretty much all of our clients at the time had the back end pretty well covered. Right. A lot of the clients became more startup-based, more product-based, less websites, more products. We still worked with some of the old contacts and did some agency work under uh, you know white labeling for agencies and mm-hmm. doing websites for their clients effectively. And it just sort of grew and grew, really. Yeah, we uh, we made it official in 2011 and founded Every Interaction after taking about 12 months to pick a name. <laughs> <laughs> and we decided about 12 months before that, yeah, this is a thing. We need to make this official. Yeah. Uh, uh, we need a name. <laughs> a hell of a lot of procrastinating went on, I can tell you. God, there were some awful options. And uh, we got the domains. Yeah. And founded the company. And yeah, from then on out, we've been doing our own thing. It was just the two of us to begin with. Even before then, we had sort of permalancers around. So we'd have people who'd come in and freelance with us for long periods of time. Initially, it always started off with being you know, come in for a week or two to help us out on this project and, you know, things just got busy and they ended up sticking around for three, six months. We had like an intern come over from Switzerland who was just going to come over for a fortnight. I think he stayed with us for six months. Right, yeah. A friend of mine, Mikhail, who was a freelancer, he came and I think he was going to be be with us for two or three weeks and he stayed for at least six months. That's quite, yeah. Yeah, we just ended up working with quite a few people regularly so we had a bit more resource around and kind of got used to that as well. Yeah, moved offices quite a few times uh, and then just started hiring people, basically. We got to the point where, right, we need we need some more permanent help around. Freelancers are good. We still had a, a permanencer who had been with us for a couple of years at that point. But then we just, we needed more people. We needed to, it started to make sense to think about full-time employees. It started to make financial sense as well because we needed this full-time resource. And um, yeah, just started growing the team out, hired some designers and uh yeah we're five people today and looking to hire <laughs> yeah so <are> we <laughs> so that what's interesting there i think is how quickly you were using freelancers because i think that for us for me i couldn't get the project value you know we, i don't think we could get well maybe we could we didn't have the we didn't guts or whatever you need to okay say mm-hmm. big numbers to people you know i think we were too cheap to use freelancers at the beginning Right. Did you just make it, did you just say, I have to use freelancers, therefore I have to charge this? Not necessarily, no. I mean, our rate, I got to our rate because of what I was charging as a freelancer, and I wanted to at least make that back. And I was charging quite a lot at the time, because I was relatively senior by that point, and didn't want to take cutting income. Yep. But the, the earliest freelancers we brought in were probably quite specialists, so we did some work for Monocle Magazine, for example and um, we needed to do some illustration and animation to help bring alive some campaign stuff they were doing. They weren't direct skill sets that we had between us. We could do some basics, but we weren't experts by any means, so we we got some friends to to chip in, do some freelancing for us, and and get some of the things that we couldn't do, so we just sort of directed it and steered the whole thing whilst they were doing a lot of the work. 
and those things needed to be integrated into a wider design that we were doing ourselves. Right. I think probably it was a big advantage that you had been freelancing yourself as your only wage. Yeah. Because I think that's what we, you know, we were freelance before, you know, we did evenings and we did weekends, but it was, well, started off as beer money, really. And I don't think we, we never had, until we started, we were never pricing our ourselves to make our wage. You know what I mean? We were kind of just, we had our wage and this was extra. So we, when we started Lighthouse, we didn't have a sense of what we were worth, mm-hmm. I suppose. So I think that definitely, that meant that growing at the beginning was quite slow because we would be taking jobs that probably that, were, that didn't pay what they should have. But I think, I mean, I think the interesting thing with both our things as well is, and I don't know if this is why you did it, but one of the reasons I want to start an agency was because every agency I saw wasn't run by someone that did the work, you know, wasn't run by a, and I was just like, well, how can that be? You know, how can you have someone at the top of this thing is so important to me? I mean, now I know that you don't need it. And obviously I should have looked around there and seen you don't, but, but I just felt like this work is so interesting to me and so important to me. I don't understand how you can like run a company doing it and not understand it and not have done it. I think that's a matter of scale. I think if you were a 30-person company, you wouldn't be doing the work. You would be managing it and running it. And and you wouldn't need to know how to. Well, you would. I think it's important to. This is, this is I think, an important thing to your point, is the agencies from yesteryear, the one that we used to work for, like 26... Yeah, they were run. They were run by business people. Yeah, they were salespeople. They were marketers. It was their job to sell in the agency's services at client meetings. Yeah, and then they didn't seemingly, from where we were down in the trenches, do much more. But they didn't actually have the knowledge of how to design and build a website. And the new generation of independent agencies that are coming today are founded by people like us who did the work because mm. we've been through it. That's the point. That the people who ran the businesses at the time were, you know, probably in their forties, and they haven't had a chance to have a career designing and building websites because they didn't exist. Yeah. As they were coming up through their careers to get to the management positions that they're in, they couldn't have done those tasks because they they weren't in existence. No, that's true. Now, in recent years, we're at a point where the new agencies that are forming are by people who have cut their teeth doing what we do, mm-hmm. and so they have better knowledge more expertise in everything that they're doing. And I think this is part of the reason why we're seeing more independent agencies starting to specialize and get away from the full service generalist model and be more specialist because people have had careers in this and they know what they're good at. And they've gone off and built agencies based on their specialisms that they've had in their careers and use that as a springboard to start their own agencies. That's true. The problem though, which I suppose is one of the reasons why this is an interesting thing to talk about, there's also the problem that those people don't know how to run a business as well. Well, that's that's why we're here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, and, and for me, that's, um, you know, I, I think I think it's quite powerful. Like, if you get the, if you get to where you are by the quality of your work, because that's all you know how to do, you're then, if you can then not go under because of some ridiculous, like, cash flow issue or something, because generally that's what, you know, that's the sort of thing that will take you out. If you manage to like survive those random tax bills that you haven't yet learned to understand and get yourself into a position where you can actually have a bit of space to like look around and then start learning the business side of it, 
you're in a, such a strong position because everything's so authentic and the work behind you is so good. I look at the work we get now and I'm like, thank God we were rubbish at business almost because if we'd been good at business, we wouldn't have done those jobs or we would have done them, we would have spent half as long on them because that's how much money the person had and they wouldn't be any good. And then the next person wouldn't have seen work that made them go, wow, these people are good. They would have seen profitable, rubbish work. You know what I mean? And it's kind of... I'm not saying that that's a uh, a clever way to do it, but I think certainly I'm kind of glad I w- I wasn't brave enough to like upset a client by going I need more money, because what came out the end was and not as profitable and sometimes not profitable. Well, it depends how you classify profit when you're paying yourself, but great piece of work that then that's what the agency got built on. Yeah, I agree, and it it builds. A reputation and a level of trust with the clients with whom you're working and internally it's, it's the demands you then put on the next projects isn't it you know i mean now now we have people working for us they know they're here because of what they've seen and they want to do work of that quality and now and and now the pushback is on me and and tom to find the right work at the right value absolutely that's the challenge and i don't like it <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, that's what we'll talk about. I think we can yeah. learn a lot from each other and help other people as well by talking about this stuff. No, absolutely. Good. So when when did you found Lighthouse? So six years ago um, in March is when we started it. Okay. So Tom came first and you joined second Yeah. after you got your mortgage. Yeah, absolutely. After I got my mortgage. Um, and then we did way too long in a shared office in, in Clapham, north oh i remember Mm -hmm. yeah we were there for about three or four years um as i say it took it just took us ages to get going um and i think well it took us ages to get serious about how we wanted to grow it i think we just thought we just got into doing the work and we were busy so we thought you know we didn't really you know worry about it um then my wife got pregnant and that was a point of being like okay we need to be in a better place in a year's time than we are now or i'm gonna have to go and earn what i can earn on the open market which is a lot more than we're earning uh and that was a great little boost for us and that probably took us towards hiring our first person which i think is another boost you know and i just think you know you the the way we got to being where we are now and charging the right money for and picking the right jobs is because we we kind of forced that pressure with our, our lives forced that pressure on it and if that pressure had come earlier, we'd probably be bigger now and, you know, or, or well, not necessarily bigger, but we'd be further down the line, maybe. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. You know, that's, that's again, you know, that's that's how it happens. And you get, um, I just like, we I, we just definitely spent a lot of time before we had to learn the, the business side of things. Um, that's the, that's the focus now is to, is to kind of get good at the, the business side of things, really. So what was the turning point when it, it suddenly became real it's probably the 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 pregnancy to be honest mm-hmm. okay that's, well, that's, 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 good. A, that's a dramatic yeah turning point uh, but by that question do you mean when we were when we decided that we're definitely doing lighthouse or yeah when when you decided this is what we're doing we are doubling down on this this is going to be our future okay that would have been that that would have been earlier that would have been that was basically when when we went into it I think mm-hmm. we thought okay. that um, yeah we were we were sort of blindly confident that it was all going to work 
Yeah. And um, it takes one good piece of work, right? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I don't think I would ever pull the trigger on doing it with the work. With I think the actual project that made us go for it was like a, a sort of four grand project or something like that. You know what I mean? Just something where you're like, mm-hmm. oh my God, maybe slightly bigger than what we've been doing. But now it'd be like, oh no, <laughs> that's, you know, that's not, that's not enough. But we, what did happen was in the time that Tom had been full time, you know, he'd actually done some work with 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 Seb again, another another mentor of him. But uh, he'd done some work with his with his company, mm-hmm. and it just we just realised, you know, that if you need work and you can do a good job, you're probably going to find work. Yeah, absolutely. You just got to know a few people. You need some connections. You do absolutely, and that and you need to be good at what you do, and that's the winning formula, I think. Hmm. I mean, for us, I think a similar thing quite early on. It was just, this is this is the right thing to do. After we had a couple of regular clients who would continuously come back for more, mm-hmm. sort of clients with products who are continuously evolving them and clients who are doing more campaign-based stuff and it was regular enough to think, yeah, these people keep coming back. We can start to rely on this income. And then probably finally when we got a break and got a decent-sized project that was paying enough to to warrant bringing in a bit of help that's to me when it felt like this this is really worth investing everything i've got into yeah um, it took a bit of convincing to get that client um the usual way at the time was to uh get a brief go in and, and have a sort of workshop and then uh instead of putting doing like a big proposal and trying to spec it out just go give us three days give us four days whatever we thought we needed uh as a trial we'll go away we'll put down our initial thoughts on this and come back with something if you like what you see let's talk further if you don't just pay us and you don't have to see us again right and uh did that quite a few times on quite a few projects and every time you know we came back we really put some effort in put some really good quality thinking into what we did blew them away with all the ideas every time and they were like man these guys know what they're doing and instantly signs us on and just got a reasonable amount of consistent work that's yeah that's the winning formula i mean yeah i think we've always been we've, we either win work or we don't but you know it used to just be you came along and you were kind of either like wow tom and dan are great and we really enjoy talking to them and i want to do the project with them whenever we had to like put down proposals or anything it was like well you haven't understood us like you know what i mean like if you want to read like read what i've written on a bit of paper rather than sit in a room with me then someone else is going to get this mm-hmm. but you know i think that was again you can only get so far like that but definitely i think getting that proof involved is that you hit on a you hit on a winner there pretty early yeah do you, do you still do that uh occasionally if, if people are hard to convince we yeah. haven't done it in a very long time i'll admit no. um but we will sometimes sometimes people have like a micro project of sorts up front a small focus bit of work that they want to do and they'll instigate the process by saying you know this is what we want to do it's a sort of a test there's lots more ahead mm-hmm. if things go well but we need to make sure we're working with the right people and the best way to do that is to work with them yeah and see what they do and it works pretty well it's sort of paid pitching with one person in the pitch <laughs> yeah completely it's essentially what it is you're pitching to keep the business and it, it it worked for a while and it certainly helped us get quite a few early projects through the door yeah these days not so much i think 
the body of work we've done to date speaks for itself more today than it did at the time. I guess we sure. just didn't have as much to talk about. And we certainly didn't have a website that was much good at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we still were doing PDFs uh, that we were sending off to everybody to say this is the stuff we've done in the past and then taking people through it on the sort of meet first contact meetings. Sure. Before the days of having a, a half-decent website to explain these things. Um, yeah. Things change, and I think it'll be good to talk around those processes, winning new business, and how mm-hmm. we go about it today is certainly a topic I'd like to cover in more detail in the future. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, so today you're, you're four people Yep. looking to hire. I saw you posting that the other day. Yeah, we're looking to hire kind of developers, really. So there's like a there's a junior role and a, and a midweight role. Full, are they full-stack developers? Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, what what is that these days? That's kind of <laughs> <laughs> like I don't. It sounds like I can't afford them. Yeah, yeah totally. So they sound expensive. Um, it's basically just kind of see, you know, there's 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 two roles there, and it's just seeing who's out there at at, at that level. Right. Um, okay. It's more about finding the right people with the yeah with talents and potential. Yeah, I think we're kind of spending spending a bit of time and trying not to get worried as people get snapped up who you were talking to and because mm-hmm. that's just going to happen and yeah you know i think like we, we've already talked to some good people mm-hmm. and and like but we've just got we've just got to take it at a pace at the moment that allows us to be comfortable with it um yeah because it's because i think this is quite a big one it feels like it's extending it out beyond the the little tight-knit group because you've been four people for quite a number of years now uh yeah a couple of years for people and just mm. you know there's and the fact that two of those people are schoolmates and the other two are were, were friends as well before i, I don't want lighthouse to just be like groups of friends um because that's just not scalable <laughs> <laughs> you have to start training some of your friends to yeah. code so you yeah, can totally. hire them <laughs> totally um it's just finding the right person but i mean we, we can talk about hiring and and I mean, yeah. my head's all over the place at the moment. So once I've got to the end of this process, I shall tell all about the um, the pain. Mm. Fair enough. We're hiring too. We're looking for a junior user experience focused designer and uh, someone much more senior as well to run one of our major projects and be involved in other things. Oh, cool. But we've we've got a a big client who we've been spending a lot of time and effort with being led by by neil at the moment um and as a director we need him in the business a bit more to focus on other things yep and this is this has grown to a point where it's too much taking too much of his time away from the business so we need a relatively senior responsible person to effectively run the project for us cool yeah so sort of i guess that's a part project manager part user experience possibly part designer not necessary because we can use the rest of the team if the person doesn't have those skills they sound expensive as well yeah that's going to be pricey <laughs> <laughs> that one's going to hurt <laughs> but it's well worth it yeah yeah oh absolutely no i mean i'm 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 happy to be in the place where bigger wages do still still make me nervous but i know how it's going to go you know what mm. i mean like you invest in these people then the yeah. work you the more you can get more work done and you know as long as you've got a framework by which to make sure everything's still going to make money it's okay yeah and I've, I've got a policy of paying people well paying them what they deserve mm. we, we we generally pay what we believe to be above market rates 
for for people just because it's what well, i think to be the right thing and also to generate some loyalty and yeah make make people happy do you go on skills or experience when you when you play both maybe this is another podcast i think it is a podcast unto itself but yeah a bit of both we'll go down into that into more detail another time I've kept you on the uh, yeah. kept you on the phone for long enough okay so um where can people find out more about you and lighthouse dan on the nets uh we are lighthouse.com or at we are lighthouse on the tweets mm-hmm. We're also on Facebook. We're also on LinkedIn. We're also on Ello. Hello, hello. Hello, man. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, whatever. We're pretty big on that, actually. Okay. Um, we, we do our own podcast. I've heard it. It's very good. How do people find this podcast? It's on our site. Great. Oh, it's on iTunes as well, but... And I like the new website as well. It's very good. Oh, cheers, man. Well, it isn't launched. Is it launched? Yeah, it's it out is. the door Oh, now. fantastic. Great. I saw the beta and I loved it. Superbly, it had um, it had a couple of PHP errors, like, because when we put it onto the, we put it onto a server that didn't like something, you know what I mean? Just a, a, a live production thing that didn't have the right thing installed or mm-hmm. some such. I understand what I'm doing. <laughs> and quite superbly, a guy who we've got a job interview next week spotted it, like, about half an hour after we went live. And like emailed me, like explaining it and and explaining how he's debugged it and telling me what was wrong with it. Wow, that's brilliant! Wow, that, that's I like that's it. A, yeah, that's a nice foot in the door. I like it. <laughs> Good. So check out Dan at We Are Lighthouse and uh, every interaction we are at everyinteraction.com. Uh, every interact on Twitter because every interaction is sixteen characters and Twitter only does fifteen uh... character names. Damn it. Like a full sign. Oh, just one <laughs> character too many. So every interact, and we're pretty much that on everything social. So um, yeah, find us there. And this podcast is hopefully going to be available on iTunes eventually once I get it submitted. Um, uh, in the meantime, it is available at perspective.fm. Whoa. Yes. So any um, any comments or feedback head to that site and uh send it through there uh like to hear your thoughts and we're going to try and do this fortnightly is the plan mm-hmm. we're going to cover yep. all sorts of topics um so if there's anything you'd like to hear let us know otherwise we've got a big list of things that we're quite keen to cover and we'll see you all next time cool bye bye everyone